We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. If if you if if you were to ask the apostle Paul about his call to ministry, right? Paul would tell you about a lightning bolt and a road going to Damascus, right? I mean, we know that. If you were to ask St. Francis of Assisi about his call to ministry, why would you leave a, a, why would you leave a successful business and walk away from all your money? St. Francis would tell you something about a beggar who one time asked him for help and he turned the beggar away. And then if you were to ask the founder of the Methodist Church, a guy named John Wesley, about his call, about his experience, John would would talk about a street named Aldersgate. He would tell you about, uh, about the Luther's preface to the letter to the church in Rome. And then he would use some phrase like this, that my heart was strangely warmed. All very spiritual, right? But if you were to ask Mother Teresa why she became a nun, and if you were hoping to get some spiritual, mystical answer to the question, you would be sorely disappointed Because when she was asked that question, here is her response. I became a nun because I was ugly, and I thought no man would have me for his wife. Seriously? And so in 1929, the then sister Teresa was assigned to an order that was in uh, Calcutta, And for about 15 years, she quietly served in this order. And then one day, mid-40s, she was in her prayer time, and she heard the audible voice of Jesus, and she knew exactly what it was. And Jesus didn't give a, it wasn't, it was just simple what Jesus said. What she heard Jesus said was this, come be my light. That's it. But her answer is amazing. Simple and to the point. I will never refuse you. And on that day, at that moment, Mother to Sister Teresa, soon to be Mother Teresa, made a promise that she would make something beautiful for God with her life. 
And so she got permission to start what we know as, as the Sisters of Charity, and they served in Calcutta, and they had one mission. Their mission was to bring the light of God's love to the poorest of poor who lived on the streets of Calcutta. Come be my light, is all Jesus said. And those words moved this uh, five-foot-nothing woman who thought she was too ugly to ever get married to not only hear the words of Paul that Martha read, but I don't know, she actually decided she would live them. What a novel idea. And she spent the rest of her life living out those words. Now, if you have your Bibles, open them to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, you can use your phone or you can go on the screen behind me. And, and I want to just, we're just going to look at two verses. Martha read more. We're just going to look at two. And, and I want to just show you this. If, if you're not familiar with Paul's letters, when Paul writes letters to the churches that he found, um, Paul rarely talks theology, right? He rarely visits about uh, theological issues. He doesn't talk much about uh, affirmations of faith, about what it means to be really baptized. He, he doesn't talk much about the Trinity. He doesn't spend his time talking theology. He doesn't worry as much about what the people believe. That's just not as important to him. What Paul spends most of his time worried about is how are the people of his church living? What he wants to make sure is that the way they are living their life sync up to what they profess to believe. That's why to the church in Corinth, he, he questioned them. He said, guys, uh, he, he was from the north, guys, y'all, how, how, can, how can you claim to be the body of Christ and then go down and fool around with the prostitutes in the temple? So he said. And then to the, to, to the Galatians, he, he wanted to know this question. He said, you guys talk about being free in Christ? But yet whenever a Gentile converts, you make them practice the very letter of the law. That doesn't match. And to the church in Ephesus, he doesn't want to hear them talk about love. He wants to make sure they're actually living. And this is what he says. He says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, in East Texas, if you preached really good, there would always be some old man, Dave Cox, who would come up to you after the church and say, Preacher, you stopped preaching and started meddling. Right? Which basically means you start stepping on some toes, right? Now, the reason why I don't like the NRSV version of that passage is because there ain't much meddling going on and there ain't no toe stomping happening because it doesn't really make sense. 
If you want to know what Paul was writing about, listen to what the message paraphrases, and you will have no misunderstanding. You got it? Watch what God does, and then just do it. Does it get any clearer than that? Mostly what God does is love you. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Just love like that. Now, does everyone understand that? If I was to ask you now, what did Paul say? You would say, just watch God and love like that. Paul says it, be imitators of Christ. If you want to know how to love, watch how God loves. Now, now, now I, I, I say that, and I had to do a little research. I had to go to the Gospels, and I had to look how Jesus showed love, right? And yes, every time Jesus showed love, it was a verb. There was action. We know that. But it was something else going on that a lot of us sometimes forget. You see, Jesus never loved from afar. He always got up close to people. I mean, he got up close to people that society said he shouldn't be anywhere near. He touched the lepers. He let a woman who was bleeding touch him. He, 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 Bishop Stowe, Richard, put it like this, and I'll never forget it. He's my favorite professor at Perkins, and he said this. He said, the way Jesus loved was he got his hands dirty. Mother Teresa heard Jesus say, come be my light. And she took it serious. And she became an imitator. And you know what she did? She got her hands dirty. She simply loved the way she understood God to love her. And if you know anything about church history, you will know that that's how the early church must have been. You see, for the first 300 years of its existence, the church just exploded. I mean, they, there are some numbers that say that every 10 years they grew by another 40%. Just year, decade after decade after decade. And soon the entire Roman civilization uh, had turned to Christianity and had become followers of Jesus. And if you want to know why, there's this church historian who, who tells us why. He says that the early followers of Jesus were more compassionate than anyone else that was around. He said this, he said, those early church folks simply outloved everybody else. And they came. And people wanted to taste that. They just outloved. One of my favorite Mother Teresa stories, I've shared it in here before. Um, not long before she died, she was invited to Washington, D.C. 
to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast. And whoever it was that introduced her, they, they, they thought they were like being really flattering. And they said this, they said this, they said, that, um, Mother Teresa is the greatest woman in the world, right? And then everybody applauded. And so by the time she got up front, people were still applauding. When the applause finally stopped, she said, don't, don't put this up yet. If you're doing Tom, just wait for me, okay? She said this, she said, if I was the greatest woman in the world, I would be able to see over this podium. <laughs> and then she said these words, I'm nothing close to being the greatest woman in the world, but I will tell you the greatest thing about my life. I have been able to be a tiny pencil in the hand of God, someone through whom God writes love letters to the world. Be imitators of Christ. Watch how God loves and do that. I have been a tiny pencil in the hand of God who God uses to write love letters to the world. And I think the way she was able to do that is because she, every day, at the end of Mass, after the Sisters of Charity received communion, they would gather in a circle, they would hold hands, and they would pray a very simple prayer, but a life-changing prayer. They would pray this prayer that reminded Mother Teresa of who is responsible for transformation. You see, we often get it messed up. We often think that transformation is on us. But what this prayer reminded her was transformation doesn't come from us. Transformation comes from God. You see, what we forget and I think the church has done a disservice. We, 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 preachers are really good at reminding you that you are no good. Right? Right? Carl uh, Bart, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Barbara, Carl Bart claimed that we were depraved human beings. I, I, I've looked in the Bible. Nowhere in Genesis does it say you were created bad, that you are evil, or that you are depraved. What does it say? It says that, that in the beginning God created, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good until the sixth day. And on that day he created us, and we weren't just good, we were very good. And that never changed. And what this prayer reminds me, and what this prayer reminded Mother Teresa, if you read her writings, this prayer reminded her that she was good, and that she was created in the image of God, and what God expected of her was to simply live into that goodness. So every day she would pray this prayer, and it all started because Jesus one time said to her, come, be my light. And after 50 years, that's exactly what she did. Day in and day out, she was the light of Jesus.
And if you read her story, you would find that, that there were moments, there were times, there were years in her world where she wondered if God had somehow abandoned her, where she felt all alone, where she felt in the dark, and it is just heartbreaking to read her journal with those words. But at the end of her life, the story goes that the last word she spoke before slipping into a coma were the same words she spoke when she heard her call. She simply said, I have never refused you. I happen to think that Jesus whispers to all of us. And he doesn't say anything complicated. He doesn't, he doesn't expect you to do complicated uh, things. He, he just says, come. Be my light. And the only thing he wants to hear back is, I will never refuse you. See, but what Mother Teresa knew is that you can't do that alone. Right? But that's why, that's why every Mass, it ended with the Sisters of Charity holding hands and praying this prayer. Because what she knew is, you can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. I need you. I need this community. I need somebody who will provide grace to me, someone who gives me a break when I mess up. I need someone who loves me and forgives me. I need somebody who wants to walk beside me and pick me up when I stumble to encourage me when I feel like quitting and to be at my side when everyone else abandons me. You see, we need people to remind us that we are not alone. That's why she had them hold hands and pray this simple, life-changing prayer. So, so I thought, if it's good enough for Mother Teresa, why not stand? So I invite you to stand. And I invite you to um, hold hands. And, 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 and as I was writing this, and as I was praying this prayer, and I was thinking about it, I began to wonder, what would happen if right? What would happen if we actually not only prayed these words, but we actually, I don't know, took it seriously? I mean, what would happen if this was our prayer? I mean, this, right? So we're just going to pray it together. We're not going to run through it. We're not going to rush. We're just going to pray it. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, Help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up 
and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine. So to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others. By shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen. Uh, I wonder if we just prayed that prayer and took it seriously if somehow we wouldn't become tiny pencils in the hand of God, and that you and I, that we could write love letters to the world. I wonder if we could just out-love everybody else. Won't you receive this benediction? And now may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, go from this place. And may the peace and the love and the grace of God go with you. And may you know, may you remember, may you never forget that there is nothing you can do, nothing that will ever make God love you less because when God sees us, he doesn't see the mistakes that we make. He simply says, wow, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And can you imagine what your day would be like if you lived it believing that? You'd have a pretty good day. Take care. God bless. And if you're a guest with us, there's a book we want to give you on your way out. Thank you.